You're listening to And you're listening to Books and Boba, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. And my name is Marvin Yue. And I'm Ri Rayu. And we are here for our mid month book news check in for March 2022. Um, Rira, how's it going? I'm going. I put in my tax information. Uh, oh. Everything's done on that front. So that's a relief. How? Jeez. Oh, so. Last year was a really good year for me as an independent contractor. I, I had a bunch of gigs that paid really well. Um, but unfortunately, that means that I had to pay a ton of taxes um, this year, way more than I did before. And it kind of, you know, I was expecting it, but still hurt to like actually owe like literally thousands of dollars. Yeah, I, I feel you. I had to pay too. <laughs> yeah. And with new tax returns means uh, reapplying for health insurance and <laughs> all that drama. And I'm not looking forward to it. I, I know that I have a deadline coming up soon to like fix all of my information, but I'm like, whatever. I don't. <laughs> it's all right. Um, it's not know. it's not a good time to think about my health co- considering the <laughs> pandemic and everything that is happening. You should just, you know, you should. I, I noticed that you're wearing your BTS. um headband oh my the, headband yeah. yeah um you should just expense your bts expenses as necessary expenses for your professional well-being right uh, i i guess i mean listen i don't buy that much bts stuff uh to really make that i don't know worth it <laughs> i'm a very thrifty fan i mean it doesn't seem like it because i'm always posting stuff online <laughs> But really, I share the financial burden with my other army friends, and I get gifted a lot of um, mm. of like BTS merch. So that's true. Uh, you are very easy to shop for, which is good. Yes, I am very easy <laughs> to shop for. I swear to God, like Christmas, half of my stuff was BTS related, and it was very funny because Dan had to just, Dan had to tell our in laws like, okay, this is the character of. Um, <laughs> That Rira stands out of like all of the BT Twenty One characters. Make sure if you're getting a photo card, it's it's of this member. And I'm like, wow, they did their research. That's like so you crazy. like the little Cookie Monster person. Yeah, I like Shooky. Okay, Cookie I'm, is the name of the Pink Bunny, so it is very confusing. <laughs> I personally, I think I'm more of a fan of the Hoodie Dog. Oh, Chimmy, yeah, Chim Chim, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, that was. <laughs> This was our taxes and BTS corner. Ah, <laughs> um, so uh, fun times. Fun times. All right. Well, people aren't here to listen to us talk about BTS and taxes, or maybe they are. Maybe we should start a new, a new podcast called Books and Books and BTS. It's still alliteration. Books and BTS. Yeah. Actually, there is a Twitter handle that is like Books and BTS, and it's um, they like recommend books that uh, Namjoon, the leader of of BTS, like reads because he's like. A really big reader oh. and i'm like wow i i feel so unintelligent because a lot of the books <laughs> that he reads are like very <laughs> are, are like very surreal and also like very challenging reads like he oh. really likes murakami books sounds and like, like a murakami fan totally yeah <laughs> it's like nope sorry like 
I read one Murakami book and I've kind of been traumatized. Maybe we'll go back to it uh, later in this podcast. But... I can do another Murakami book or maybe one of his short story collections. Maybe, maybe. Mm. It's been some time since we've last read a Murakami work. So maybe we'll take the plunge again. I, mean, I don't know. I just know. watched Drive My Car, which is based on some Murakami stories, which was pretty good. I liked it. Um, but yeah. Back on track because you just got derailed again. Uh, we are here to talk about the latest book and publishing news um, in Asian American literature. Um, so, as always, we'll start off with the latest publishing news um, that Reaver has compiled by going through Publishers Weekly, Twitter, and other news sources. Um, so, yeah, let's get started. Uh, Reaver, what is our first deal? For Six Figures, SJP Lit preempted Alicia Chang's debut novel, A Quitter's Paradise. The book is about a young woman dealing with the death of her mother, whose story becomes intertwined with those of her family, charting decades of their movements from the military villages of Taipei to the cloistered suburbs of New Jersey. Publication is set for summer 2023. Uh, now, so SJP is actually Sarah Jessica Parker's literary uh, oh, wow. imprint. And I think this is the very first book deal for that imprint. That's interesting. So their debut novel for that imprint will be a multi-generational Taiwanese-American family drama. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, wow. good choice. Yeah. That's cool. Congrats to Alicia and um, I guess Sarah Jessica Parker. It's a great title, by the way. A Quitter's Paradise. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next up, Vanessa Chan's debut novel, The Storm We Made, was picked up by Mary Sue Rucci Books in a two-book deal after an 11-way auction. Wow, that's like a battle royale of, of publishers. Um, set in British Malaya, the novel begins in the 1930s and follows a discontented housewife who becomes an unlikely spy for the invading forces of Japan. It then jumps to World War II when the shocking repercussions rain upon her community and family. The second book under contract is the story collection The Ugliest Babies in the World, which is about the feral girls in post-colonial Malaysia trying to solve the mysteries of their bloodlines. Currently, there's no news on um, publication date. I'm excited for The Storm We Made because it's a spy literary fiction. And I, I just love spy thrillers. I think it's just because like American movies love spy thrillers. And we just kind of grew up with that pop culture. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like this is kind of more like the Americans where it's about like the actual spy work, which is more subtle which is more just like intelligence gathering and like clandestine activities rather than you know how like a lot of american spy stories it's more about the pew pew than like the the sneak sneak yeah but like i i love spy stories overall like mm. i watch a lot of documentaries about <laughs> about like spies who were in like europe during world war ii and they're there for like five six years doing yeah. like very mundane work and i just find that life very fascinating and that skill set to be fascinating uh, the second book, The Ugliest Babies in the World, again, great title. Um, I like how both of them are, both books are set in Malaysia. One is set in colonial Malaysia, and the second book is set post-colonial. So I think that's a very interesting combo. Yeah. All right. So our next book deal is Kanath Bought U.S. Rights to Backyard Bird Chronicles by none other than Amy Tan. 
The nonfiction book is based on the best-selling author's nature journal in which the agency said, Tan records with a novelist's eye the birds and other creatures in her own backyard, as well as personal reflections and original color illustrations. The Backyard Chronicles is set to release on October 2023. This sounds super chill. It's just Amy Tan watching birds and writing about it in her prose. Um, I can't say that I'm excited about watching about bird watching but i do you know i do appreciate the fact that like people are so interested in amy tan's words that they'll even read her talking about birds well like i i feel like there are a lot of literary authors out there who are very well known to have written like fictional works but uh when they write memoirs or nonfiction titles it's like a very unique type of writing that they pivot to like murakami uh, he's written like a couple of nonfiction works. Uh, I think one of the most famous ones is uh, what I talk about when I talk about running. And it's about him. Like his hobby is like running. He does like marathons. But the book is the book isn't actually about running. It's about like the discipline and how it relates to writing and all that jazz. So I'm <laughs> guessing that this book, The Backyard Burn Chronicles, isn't just about birds and creatures it probably has something to do with writing and life lessons because otherwise um i don't know it just it says records with a novelist's eye so as someone who writes fictional works for a living i'm guessing that there is going to be more to it than just biology mm. for example yeah well congrats to amy tan on her book deal okay Poetry acquired Christina Lee's debut YA novel, True Love and Other Impossible Odds. Pitched as Nina LaCour meets the half of it. The story follows a first-year college student, Grace Tang, who invents a class algorithm that pairs people with their perfect romantic campus match, only to have everything thrown into question as she explores the questions of love, identity, and her past. Publication is slated for spring 2024. I love the fact that there's more books about, like, like dating apps and like love <laughs> algorithms that are that are coming out like the soulmate equation and uh the love hypothesis those are books that are extremely popular yeah. so i like the fact that this is a ya version of that because i i could totally see college students being <laughs> like let's let's make an let's make an app or an algorithm so that we have like the maximum capacity like compatibility yeah i feel like this is a trope that i've seen um like become more and more popular in the age of like dating apps and like ai and technology we've seen this concept in like movies we've seen it in like i think there's like korean dramas or asian dramas about it I'm pretty sure there's a couple webtoons about it too. Uh, like also like if if you're Asian, your your parents are definitely going to push you to like find a husband in college mm. like very quickly because they expect you to like get married by the <laughs> end of graduation. Yeah. Um also, when I was in high school uh for like Valentine's Day, like we we had like like matchmaking quizzes. <laughs> Like you, you got them. Like you, you did it. You completed a scantron, it and it like paired you up with people who actually filled it out. So it's like, oh, here are your romantic matches, and here are your uh, like platonic friend matches. And that of course, sounds... like looking back at it now, I'm like, wow, that's so creepy. Also, it's like, like super nightmare. sexist <laughs> and like. But uh, the funny thing 
the funny thing was like when I, I remember like one year I looked at my results because like to to get your results, you pay like two dollars. And I was like, whatever, it's two dollars. Uh, and like all of the people that were on like my friends list uh, were people that I actually hung out with like in real life. So I was like, oh, at least that part is pretty accurate. The romantic part, not so much. I don't remember <laughs> a single person from from that list. Yeah. I mean, then now and maybe in the future, people will still be trying to figure out love um, and how to, um, I think, I guess, codify it or turn it into formulas or algorithms. And um, I don't know. I feel like that's it's like the industry. that's like the philosopher's stone, right? Like that that is like the the goal of all dating technology is to find that algorithm to figure out love. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, with the whole like Scantron thing at my school, like no one really took it seriously. It was more like, oh, let's raise money for prom, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, next up through exclusive submission, Random House Graphic acquired Trung Le Wen's uh, contemporary YA graphic novel. Angelica and the Bear Prince. Angelica is a 17-year-old overachieving high school student learning to rebalance herself after burning out. Oh God, can we all relate to this? <laughs> when she commits herself to a theater internship, she struggles to balance her passion, her friendships, and her crush on the mysterious boy in the bear costume without crashing all over again. Publication is planned for 2025. Now, Trung Le Wens is the author of The Magic Fish, which is also a critically acclaimed uh, graphic novel. So I'm yeah. pretty confident that this is going to be great as well. He's also a prolific Twitterer under the handle Trungles. Um, and yeah, definitely excited about this new book. Um, <laughs> I think, I don't know, just more stories about high school burnouts. Um, especially Asian American high school burnouts, because a lot of us do burn out during high school. Not all of us can keep up the overachiever uh, mindset for that long, you know? I like the fact that she's in a theater internship, because <laughs> I feel like theater internships are so stressful. There's so many things to do before a production of a show. So I'm like, you got burnt out and you're doing like the most stressful thing that you can do. <laughs> yeah. Which, which is accurate for overachieving people. Totally. Um, okay, next up, IDW acquired in an exclusive submission world rights to the first in a graphic novel series called Cooking with Monsters, The Beginner's Guide to Culinary Combat by Jordan Osakwa and Vivian Trong. The book is about Hana Ozawa, the newest face at the Gourmand Academy of Culinary Combat, a school that will teach you how to fight monsters and how to turn them into delicious meals. But as the school year begins, Hana struggles to keep up. Publication is slated for fall 2023. This reminds me of, have you ever played that game, um, Battleship Brigade? Haven't, but I've definitely seen my friends play it. <laughs> it's, it's pretty fun. pretty good. Um, it's basically an um, action-slash-puzzle game where you go fight monsters, collect their ingredients, and then you cook them using like a gem-matching um, puzzle sequence. And this just sounds, this just gave me those vibes. Um, it's just another way of saying I'm totally into this concept. I love that it's also an academy story, which is also a pretty cool genre. I'm just like thinking about, you know, when you're young and you're playing Pokemon, you're wondering like what they're eating, <laughs> considering that like real life animals don't exist in, in the Pokemon world. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, oh, what if they killed Pokemons and made them into dishes? It's kind of like, it's oh, kind of like that. That is the feeling that I'm I, getting from... How, what? <laughs> 
I don't. They don't kill yeah, I mean, Pokemon. I, I, they knock them out and trap them in little balls. No, I mean like with food, you know, like the the hamburgers they eat. It's not actually a hamburger, right? Because there are no cows in in the Pokemon world. They would have to like capture Tauruses or something. This is. I don't know. I had a very uh, inquisitive mind as a child, wondering where. Where the food was coming from and this how is, the ecosystem worked in Pokemon. I, I don't think we're meant to dig deep into the world building of Pokemon. You know, we're not supposed to think too much about how it's enslaving animals to fight each other. Or there's a dish where there's a dish with like Slowpoke's tail, and it's like a delicacy. And I'm like, well, clearly they they do maim Pokemon oh. and eat them in some degree. Sorry for ruining other people's <laughs> childhood. Uh, well, at least in Cooking with Monsters, up front they're saying we are eating the monster parts. So, good on yeah, that. Yeah, but what what if the monsters are, I don't know, sentient? You know, they, they have feelings and stuff. I mean... Sorry. Okay, we're going to move on. Uh, Candlelit Press acquired world rights to Jam Dong's debut author illustrated picture book, The Story Factory. Uh, the book is about a factory that produces books using only the same tried and true formulas. When the system malfunctions, the workers try to find the source of the problem, but the issue persists, leading to a disaster with surprising results. Publication is slated for fall 2024. Why does this sound like the publishing industry overall during COVID and with the supply uh, <laughs> backup? And I love that this is like a meta narrative, like a meta allegory of the publishing industry. Um, but in picture book form for children, so we could teach them um, simultaneously about the sameness of corporate production, but also how to be, you know, an individual. I think it's really, I, I don't, I don't want to say funny, but in, in like a very dark way, if you've been following people on book Twitter, you'll know that uh, there's been a conversation on so many editors and agents getting burnt out. And a lot of people quitting in mass and 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 like the official the executives are saying, oh, it's the great resignation. People just don't want to work anymore. But obviously this problem has been, you know, it, it people are quitting because they're being overworked and the publishing industry hasn't really um fixed a lot of the underlying problems that they have, especially when it comes to work. Uh, pay comp compensation so yeah this book definitely seems like a way for children to understand that corporations are bad capitalism is bad <laughs> so let's teach them early to form unions and so you're uh, saying that this book will end up on a ban list pretty soon um, Parents maybe. don't want to teach their know. kids about I mean, capitalism being bad. I mean Candlewick picked it up so clearly they think that there's a market for it <laughs> So I, for one, applaud Candlewick for uh, presenting this book. And hopefully they're doing it not unironically. <laughs> I'm sure they're not. <laughs> All right. Next up, uh, Dial has acquired world rights to The House Before Falling into the Sea, a debut historical fiction picture book written by An Suk Wang and illustrated by Hana Cha. Set in Korea during the Korean War, the story is about a child whose family shelters refugees with nowhere else to go. Publication is slated for spring 2024. Man. Ooh, this is a picture book, too. From teaching children about corporate capitalism to empathy and refugees. And, you know, um, pretty timely, especially what's been happening in the world lately. 
Um, hopefully it won't be. I mean, it'll probably still be timely in 2024. Let's be honest. Yeah, I like the fact that it's set during the Korean War because I feel like we don't really have a lot of English language books on that time period, definitely for younger readers as well. Uh, and especially in the point of view of the civilians and refugees. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad that these types of stories are coming out in a more accessible way. All right, next up, in an exclusive submission, Simon & Schuster bought I Will Find You Again, a YA novel by Sarah Liu the author of The Best Lies. The story follows two girls in an affluent Long Island neighborhood who fall in love and then fall apart before one of them dies in a mysterious boating accident. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> the book will be published in spring 2023. Wow, wow. I did not know that it was going to go there. That dr the dramatic arc of that blurb took a big dramatic swing. So is it like I will find you again because one of the characters is trying to find them again? because their body hasn't been recovered. Okay, I'm going into very morbid territories. <laughs> I, I think it's more like metaphor. Yeah, it definitely seems like a melancholic story. A love story told in reverse, in a way. <laughs> I guess that's a that's what you call a tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Next up, Capstone acquired Ali the Great, an early reader series written by Sadia Faruqi and illustrated by Hatem Ali. Um, Ali Tahir is a Pakistani-American second grader whose big ideas sometimes land him in a little trouble, but his even bigger heart always comes through stronger in the end. Publication of the first title, Ali the Great and the Market Mishap, is scheduled for fall 2023. Uh, and Sadia Faruqi's contemporary middle grade novel, The Partition Project, was picked up by Quiltree in an exclusive submission. Uh, the book follows aspiring journalist Maha Rahim as she interviews South Asian elders about the partition for a documentary project and reconnects with her family's history. But Maha's single-mindedness causes rifts with both her best friend and her Pakistani grandmother. Publication is slated for winter 2024. Yeah, these are two books with very different themes. Um, yeah, the um the picture book series sounds really cool. I used to love, you know, like the Amelia Bedelia or Curious George series where, you know, you follow the same character as they get into different you know, shenanigans. And I love that we have, you know, a Pakistani-American main character who will have his own series um, getting into trouble and, you know, learning from it. Um, I think that's, that'd be really great for kids to have a series of books that follow this kid's mishaps. Um, and about the middle grade novel, I think the partition is something that isn't, we don't really learn in public school history, right? It's, I don't even, I don't remember learning it in world history when I was in school. Uh, same. I don't think I really learned it in school. I learned it from like my Indian friends yeah. because, you know, their family lived through it. Um, so Sadia Faruqi and Hatem Ali, they are the creators of the Yasmin series. And the Yasmin series is about uh, a second grader who is a Pakistani-American. So they, like, they seem to be really big on having like early chapter books for readers who are of Pakistani descent or are from multi-generational immigrant families. Yeah. So I'm glad that they have more to their canon now. Yeah. All right, next up, Candlewick acquired world rights to author-illustrator Supriya Kalkar's Shine, a story of colonization, the Kohinoor diamond, and resistance. The book is about one of the world's most famous diamonds, which was stolen from South Asia during colonization and now sits as a crown jewel in London today. The book is also a call to action for readers to decolonize and hold their heads up high. Publication is planned for spring 2024. Hell yeah, call out those colonizers. Yeah, if you look at museums in the West, a lot of their stuff is stolen from 
other countries. <laughs> um, and they refuse to give it back. Yeah. All right, next up. At auction, Roaring Brook acquired Linda Cheng's debut YA novel, Gorgeous Gruesome Faces, and its sequel. Pitched as Wilder Girls meets Love Boat Taipei, it's a supernatural sapphic YA horror novel set in the glittering cutthroat world of Asian pop. Ooh, that sounds fun. This is like all your keywords right there. I know. (laughs) The story follows a disgraced teen idol who comes face to face with a former bandmate and the demons of their shared past when the two enter a competition that devolves into a deadly nightmare. Publication is slated for fall 2023. So what I'm getting is fish out of water, uh, pop competition with like i guess monsters probably get like maybe asian inspired monsters like you know everyone loves that nine tail fox these days you know everyone loves the good you know asian goblin perhaps (laughs) cutthroat competition with actual supernatural creatures and it's sapphic love it (laughs) can't wait for it yeah comes out in fall 2023 that's pretty soon not i mean it'll be soon it It'll be here before we know it. Let's just say that. <laughs> I know. That's true. Like, I mean, how many times have we done uh, like book deal episodes and we're like, oh, that's that's a long time away. And then later on, we have that author on our show yeah. <laughs> for that book. So I'm excited. Yeah. Linda, hit us up. We'd love to talk to you about this book. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, all right. Next up, Random House bought at auction North American rights to Descendants of Dragons and Heirs of Power. A contemporary YA fantasy duology by Katie Zhao. Pitched as The Shadow Hunter Chronicles meets Legendborn and These Violent Delights, the story combines Chinese folklore and dark academia at a boarding school glamoured from mortal eyes. Um, when a student is killed over a priceless ancestral artifact, the descendants, those who possess Chinese zodiac magic, assemble a crew to heist it back and avenge the murder. Publication will begin in fall 2024. Man, speaking of hitting all of our keywords, this one is also like the Venn diagram is very, very narrow here. Yeah. And uh, Katie Zhao is also the author of How We Fall Apart, which is dark academia. (laughs) Uh, It's it's a YA thriller where students at an elite prep school are um, like forced to confront their secrets because one of their ex-friends turn up dead so yeah Mm. very very dark (laughs) academia so it makes sense to me that uh katie's next work is like mixing the uh chinese folklore in her middle grade works with like her dark academia ya stories and just also both also there's a heist which i'm very excited about all the heists we love it all right, so our last book deal is in a two-book preempt, Penguin Workshop acquired No Rules Tonight by band book club creators Kim Hyun-suk and Ryan Estrada. Based on Hyun-suk's real-life experiences, this YA graphic novel, pitched as Persepolis Meets Love Actually, takes place in 1980s South Korea under the brutal Fifth Republic and follows a group of students as they embark on a Christmas break trip to the Jiri Mountains where one magical weekend empowers them to ask the ultimate question. What will you do if you only had one night of freedom? Publication for the first book is set for fall 2024. Wow. You know, Persepolis was a pretty fun book about teens living in an oppressive like government. And, you know, I imagine, like, I'm not familiar with South Korean history, but I imagine this was probably towards the end of martial law, right? Yeah, pretty much. I don't know if it was like, 
actual martial law or if it was um, a very brutal government with censorship. I guess it really doesn't matter what you call it. But there mm. was a lot of censorship back then. And you could still see it in Korean society today. Uh, if you see if you look at like media and how the government is able to just influence um, like the broadcasting stations. Um, <laughs> I'm interested in reading this because my parents grew up during this time and they never talk about it ever. And whenever I mention censorship in our very like, you know, like I kind of go off of tangents being like censorship is bad, blah, 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 blah. And, <laughs> and they'll be like, I don't, I don't understand why you care about this so much. And I'm like, you grew up in a country where there was a lot of censorship. How do you not understand why this is important to me? So I am very, uh, I'm very interested in reading this, yeah. um, and I've heard great things about the Band Book Club, which is also a work that I want to dive into yeah. in the near future. But that is it for our book deals for the month of March so far. If I missed anything, please uh, feel free to tweet us or email us, and I will try to include it in the next Roundup episode. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the latest book news. Our first story is uh, more adaptation news. Um, Sunny's Song Will Never Be Famous um, by Suzanne Park is being adapted by Soul Street for a feature film. Um, Soul Street, of course, is the production company led by Wu Young Lee and Christine and Mark Holder, who also recently optioned Cindy Pond's Want series. So um, it's really cool that Wu Young Lee is going in and snapping up all of these great YA, like Asian-American and Asian-inspired stories, um, I, I guess. He really wants to make these stories, which is really cool. Um, yeah. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with the story of Sunny Song Will Never Be Famous, it follows a Korean-American female social media influencer who is shipped off to a digital detox summer camp. <laughs> and uh, while her big summer goals are to make Raphael Kim her boyfriend and hit 100,000 followers and have the best last summer of high school, What's not on her list is accidentally filming a PG-13 cooking video that goes viral. And it really sucks now because she's going to a digital detox farm camp in Iowa for an entire month. That sounds like a terrible time. Uh, but we've had Suzanne on our show before. She is the author of Loathe at First Sight and The Perfect Escape. And I remember her telling us about this book when we asked her, what are you working <laughs> on next? And she was working on this book. Yeah. And I remember saying like how uh, excited I was to, to uh, read it. So I'm really happy for Suzanne. And I really... I'm looking forward to watching this as well. Yeah, it's going to be a feature film. Um, no cast or writers have been attached yet, but it sounds in the absence of further To All the Boys Love Before films. Actually, I think we're getting a kitty spinoff, right? Um, it's always cool to see more more YA stories based on like with like Asian American um, centered characters. And I think this is a very like I guess similar to how we had, you know, all of our cringe moments with Turning Red this past um, this past couple of weeks, this will be cringe for the new generation who are very much social media centered, right? You know what this kind of reminds me of? It reminds me of Confessions of a Shopaholic because <laughs> the main character in in that book is a shopaholic who, you know, spends money that they don't have on luxury goods and fashion. And it's like, oh, it's it's like the Gen Z version, someone who <laughs> yeah. can't live without Wi-Fi and social media. Um, and this is definitely a problem that you see um, 
in like Korea with like video games, there are actual like detox <laughs> therapy for uh, addicted gamers, which I always thought was fascinating. Yeah. Um, but with that said, we're going to move on to our next piece of news. Lots of Asians on the New York Times bestsellers list. So we oh, have yeah. Rise by Jeff Yang, Phil Yu, and Philip Wang. And they reach number 11 on the nonfiction hardcovers category on the week of March 9th. Uh, Mar Marvin and I both went to their book launch at Janum uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So who knew that they were going to reach the New York Times bestsellers list? I mean, list. If, if they couldn't reach the bestsellers list, like none of us have a chance. Those are like some of the most prominent um, names in Asian American like as pop culture commentary. So um, yeah, I think I think if they hadn't made it, it would have been really weird. Also, you have to think about how it's such a niche topic mm. and you would need more than just asian americans buying the book for it to make it to the new york times bestsellers list so it means that it has left our bubble community of asians <laughs> which i'm very happy for yeah um and of course you know jeff yang and phil Yu, they are <clears throat> fellow podcasters of our collective uh they are the hosts of they call us bruce yeah so if you would like to hear, I, I know they have an episode. They uh, had Philip Lang and they also had Jess Vu on their show to talk about the making of their book. So if you guys are curious about it, check out that episode. Yeah. Uh, we also have All My Rage by Sabah Tahir, which uh, I don't have the ranking on here, but it released on the first week of March. So Sabah Tahir is the author of Ember and the Ashes series. Um, All My Rage is a contemporary novel. So she went from fantasy to contemporary and she landed in the New York Times bestsellers list yeah. twice for both of those works. So yay. Um, representing Pakistani Americans out there. All right. And next up, we have New From Here by Kelly Yang. Uh, Kelly actually reached number one on the middle grade hardcovers category uh, in the New York Times bestsellers list on the week of March 20th. Uh, Kelly Yang is the author of Front Desk, and I think all of her books have actually reached uh, the New York Times bestsellers list. So she is a multi New York Times bestsellers. I mean, they're all really author. good books, and her book Front Desk is also in the center of a lot of like these book ban discussions, right? Like a lot of parents are really upset that their kids are reading about immigrants and refugees, I guess. Um, but it's really exciting to see her just knock, like in spite of all that, still putting out number one books. And our final excellent Asian on this New York Times bestsellers uh, month is Axie O, oh, who is the author of The Girl Who Fell Beneath the Sea. And she reached number two on the YA hardcovers category on the week of March 13th. So literally every week of this month, we've had an Asian author on the New York Times bestsellers list, which is freaking amazing. Yeah. And of course, uh, we have, like I think Dustin Thao's book is still on the New York Times bestsellers list. Um and Chloe Gong's um, Those Violent Delights are also on there. So, yeah, Asians, we're, <laughs> you we're know, hanging in there. I feel like at some point, it just, just won't be news. It'll just be every week there will be just diverse authors on the New York, New York Times bestsellers list, and it won't be a big deal. I think that's kind of 
the future we want to see. But until then, we'll keep celebrating because, you know, it's it shows that our stories are being, I guess, at least accepted in the mainstream, which is always good. Like, uh, every time when publishers are saying, oh, this is, you know, there's no market for this. This is niche. Like, yeah. this can only become successful through word of mouth. I'm like, well, these authors were able to find a mainstream audience, so. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, our last piece of news is the Pachinko TV series is finally releasing um, on March 25th. The series will premiere with the first three episodes um, on Apple TV+. Plus. And after the premiere, one episode will be released each week until the season wraps on April 29th. Um, the eight episodes are written by show creator Sue Hu uh, and directed by Justin Chan and Kongo Nada. We have some pretty big names in in the cast. Uh, uh, there is Yi Min Ho, who, you know, you probably know him from Boys Over Flowers, like over like a decade ago. And he will be playing Hansu. Uh, we have... Um, Yoon Yeo-jung, who was also in Minari, she is going to be playing Sunja, and she is actually the first Korean actress to win an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, she is the first Asian actress to win an Academy Award since 1958. So, yeah, yeah I'm so happy that, you know, she's finally getting, like, I mean, she's already, like, a very big actress in Korea, but it's just so nice that her talent is being recognized here in America. Yeah. And then we have Jin Ha, who is going to be playing Solomon Peck. Um, so we've read Pachinko for this show. It was, uh, it was a previous book club pick. And we've kind of been following this adaptation news since the very beginning. And wow, it's been a journey. Yeah, it's um, finally coming out. Um, I've read in other articles that this series will... I mean, it'll take some liberties in terms of how the story will be presented. And I think I read an article saying that this, they'll cover most of the series between books one and book three, which is the story of young Sunja as she goes from Korea to Japan for the first time. Um, and also book three, which is set in the 80s, which is centered on Solomon Beck, who's played by Jin Ha, um, who is American educated, who comes back to Japan um, for work. And it'll be interesting to see how how they do everything it's like you know they, they released a trailer a couple weeks ago it looks really cool um i'm interested to see how they adapt the story yeah and uh bizarre magazine actually did a cover story on the pachinko adaptation series they interviewed the actors and the show creator and um you know, like, I feel like my faith in the adaptation is a lot stronger after I read <laughs> that story. Uh, Jin Ha, who's playing Solomon Peck, as we uh, mentioned, he is Korean-American. And um, he was saying how he had to ask his father to, uh, like, phonetically spell out the Japanese lines in Hangul, in Korean. And then he would transliterate that into like romanization and English. And that's how he learned his lines. So uh, that told me that like he was very invested in his role. He did his research. Um, and a lot of the younger actors who are, you know, from Korea, they're Korean actors. Uh, they had to like talk with their grandparents about what it was like living under Japanese rule. So they have like primary sources to talk to. Um, and 
you know, like I was really worried that they were going to whitewash this in a way where <laughs> everybody was going to have like accented English where it's like, okay, they're speaking in another language, but they're speaking in English because that is their main audience. Uh, but from what I've read, it is trilingual. So we have Korean, we have Japanese, and we have English. And even with Japanese, they have different dialects. So they'll, they'll have like the Osaka dialect, yeah. which is different from uh, the Tokyo dialect. So I think that, you know, this, like I have some expectations. Yeah. Whereas like before <laughs> I was really skeptical on how they would pull it off yeah and they did a pretty good job casting to um one of the actors soji arai who plays uh mozasubek um is actually korean japanese just like his characters so i think you know you can see a lot of the care that the the team put in to make this as accurate as possible um and yeah i'm looking forward to seeing how they pull it off um and we'll probably find some time to talk about the adaptation because you know this is a big momentous occasion this is like a major literary work that's being adapted and i'm curious to see how they do, i'm curious to see how they do it and also like pachinko has been translated into korean for korean readers so it's found like a readership there and you have korean actors like imino who's going to be in yeah. the show so i'm curious as to like what the korean audiences are gonna are, are gonna feel about the series um especially since there's a lot of trauma <laughs> there, there to unpack um so uh, I will try to figure out how to watch it because I don't have Apple TV. I know. Uh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out somehow. And with that, that'll do it for this edition of the Books and Boba Mid-Month News Check-In. Um, as always, thanks for compiling all of the book and publication news for us. Um, and yeah, uh, Rira, can you remind us what we're reading for the month of March for the book club? So for the month of March, we are reading Light from Uncommon Stars by Rika Aoki. And it is a sci-fi fantasy story that is set in California's SGV. So what, what? it is a very interesting combination. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to talking about this book with you um, at the end of the month. Um, to our listeners, if while we finish the book and have your thoughts, uh, please let us know on our Goodreads forums. Um, we'd love to include your thoughts in our episode as well. Um, but on that note, that'll do it for this episode of the Books and Boba podcast. Um, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Bye, everyone. Right, bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Books and Boba. This podcast was hosted by Marvin Yue and Ri Rayu and edited and produced by Marvin Yue. Follow the book club on Twitter and Instagram by going to at Books and Boba and engage with us on Goodreads on our Goodreads group. You can also check out past episodes of the podcast by going to booksandboba.com and by subscribing to us on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget, you can support Books and Boba and Asian American authors by purchasing books at our bookshop.org account. Check out the link in our show notes and also at booksandboba.com. Books and Boba is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts featuring unique voices and stories from the Asian diaspora. Learn more about The Collective and check out our fellow Potluck shows by visiting the website podcastpotluck.com. Thanks for listening.
Hey, Ryan, what's black and white and red all over? I don't know, Robin. Two nuns having a chainsaw fight? Dude, inappropriate. Come on, man. This is supposed to be a podcast promo for our secret underground podcast, Quarantine Comics. Oh, yes. Quarantine Comics, the weekly comic book club where I, ace reporter Ryan Joe, and I, mild-mannered Robin Sutton, team up to discuss some of comics' greatest works. Or just some really cool comics that we've been wanting to read. From Alan Moore to Uzumaki. From Maracas to Zendaya. From Adrian Tomine to Jean Lunyang. You might not have heard of half the stuff that we're reading. Or the other half is just pop culture superhero stuff. They could just read the books with us, right? Yes, they could do that, but you could also just send us money. No, Ryan, that's not how passion podcast projects work. Why in the hell are we even doing this? Uh, I'm sure we'll be back by next week's episode. <clears throat> so, tune in each week to Quarantine Comics. That's qtdcomics.com. Set phasers to fire.